0: Greetings all. I thought I would uh, compare the way lies change us or make us take no action. I thought I'd compare that process to marinating chicken Um, because it's kind of the same thing. Chicken's not the same after you marinate it. And our will or resolve is not the same after we marinate in lies for months or years. I thought I would point out: start on something light. The cost of lodging illegal immigrants right now is it stands at three hundred ninety-two dollars per night per individual. And some of the articles I see out there, they kind of forget the relationship we have here in this country. You know, the people and the government. Uh, because they're saying the government pays that. The government doesn't pay anything. The government doesn't really, it's not supposed to own anything. But uh, the taxpayer pays that one way or another. $392 per night. I spend far less than that on myself when traveling, whether in Connors or O'Connors, right? Domestic, internationally. And my three hundred ninety-two dollars includes food, gas, lodging, toiletries, other essential items, and you have to note that that's my footloose vacation spending per diem, right? So, um, I and then mean that happens at like once every four years. That's that kind of spending. But did, so does that mean that I don't have as much fun as a border jumper? Uh, I'm not sure. So recently we uh, we heard that uh, a seven day border apprehension tally was found that there were more than 41,000 in a, in a seven-day period. So if you do that calculation, that's like 2.13 million who want to be caught, which means fed directly into the system and hooked up right away. So, uh, and if you had the low end of the of the gotaway, um, uh, they're often the more dangerous people who don't want to be caught because they've been caught before, they've been they've served time before, they've been released or returned to their home countries before. Uh, there's at least 30%. It was much higher before the wall, right? That doesn't work, apparently. But that's gone down to about 30%. So that's about another 639,000 people who would be less beneficial to the U.S., um, and those people will get in here in a year. So we're like, you know, 2.7, 2.8 million that we know of. And the weather getting nicer, maybe that'll go up. Also, up, carjackings, break ins, rapes, violent crimes are up. In some areas in towns 60 to 100 miles away from the border, those types of crimes have gone up like 20 fold. But the federal government doesn't feel that. It isn't hurt by that, and it doesn't talk about that. Nor will the media, right? Because it's one and the same. Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Um, border facilities, some of them are somewhere around 700% capacity. Yep, yeah, sometimes as many people as they were designed to hold or serve. Uh, that's an inarguable indicator that something's amiss to most people. And here, here are things we'll never hear from our media. The United States will never be competitive again globally if progressives get the things they want. So I'm wondering, there's part of me that wonders is this is kind of a ruse. Aim high, settle for less, distract, whatever. Because here's how we will never be, remain or, because we're losing competitive edge. Because we do hear things like the percentage of illegal migrants in this country is very small. And that might be true, but it's mostly disingenuous, right? So what should be discussed is the actual impact that that small percentage has on our ability to remain competitive globally. Uh, Or they should have some other suggested alternative to conditions we operate under right now to make make this uh, situation um, less strenuous, Less destructive, so there's a financial burden that that small percentage is responsible for, and that financial burden is much larger than what that percentage would represent, right? Um, and it's our it, this hampers, hinders our nation's ability to compete. Um, don't believe me? Go ask a business owner, or you may happen to be one. Ask how a how significant would say a 5% uh, bottom-line gain be you know increased from what they've been working with over the last few years. The truth is, uh, very tight margin industry participants would cry with joy at that prospect. Other countries, like China, use slave, per se, slave labor for um, that 5%, likely much higher, and we're being chastised here in the U.S. for suggesting we need a better approach than a 5% fiscal burden for taking on 2 or 3 million illegals every every year. Uh, what has to happen is a real conversation. And you know what would change my mind? Uh, I'm, I'm not heartless. Most of us aren't. But those who are against immigration kind of the way it is uh, have taken into consideration a few more of the metrics, right? So... Well, the thing that would change my mind, uh, because right now, illegal illegal immigration is bad for everyone except people making money from it, which is the cartels, the human smugglers, the sex traffickers, and Democrats. Uh, And they're whoever's connected to them, who gets employment that's subsidized by the federal government. So sometimes it helps to stop and see who, who you keep company with. So when you see the list that I just provided... Democrats are with, their, with cartels and human smugglers, right? So the way to win me over is to organize and plan a way out of this with some sort of method to enforce uh, continuous improvement, uh, monitoring improvement. So let's start by not allowing the, uh, these immigrant victims to remain visible. That's right, because on, on many levels, we're going to find out that they're more victimized than previously known. So just say if ten percent of the illegal borders, border crossers, uh, have been on accompanying minors lately, how many of those children left? Uh, pa- the parents were paid whatever it might be. How many of those kids left their homes and didn't make it here? Their bodies are somewhere along the the, the way. We've heard stories about young adults or middle aged men kicking children from the roofs of the, the you know the tops of the train. Uh, Boxcars in the middle of the night. Uh, we, meaning Americans, hear how these stories about how dangerous it is for the children. Uh, I'm sure the media doesn't let those stories make it back to Honduras or Nicaragua because it might dissuade some of them from selling their kids into the trip. They're being told on that end by an organized group that the border's open. There are open arms welcoming them. There's a buffet set up somewhere. Uh, hit the road. And they're probably getting back some of the success stories from those who left when Obama was president. And they're not going to get stories back from cousins or siblings who died en route. They're just thinking maybe they're left to wonder. Are they alive or are they up here living a better life? So we need more ideas, good ideas, to make this thing really work. Uh, we're already spending enough on programs overseas to help those people improve their situation. To you know, if things were better there than they than they are here, uh, they wouldn't leave. I don't think you know. Most people say they don't want to leave their the countries they know and love, where they were born. Uh, I only agree with that partly, because they see they see America, they see it for what it is, and um, they decided to, to, to hell with sticking around, waiting for nothing. So maybe the the, the resources we're spending there and here to just kind of get pre, pre, bring people in, I really think that the government is uh, siphoning a, a fair amount from those funds because they love to anger or turn off Republicans, their their counterparts across the aisle, to the point where they really don't watch their actions very closely. Um, But for us to have a plan that does work, and I'm a big systems person. I I know once you create a system, uh, if it's successful, functional, and effective, somebody will find a way to turn that system against itself or profit uh, in an unscrupulous manner by observing the moving parts and seeing how to get in there and make it not work. So I, I think if we had that system that worked, the word would get out that it's even better now under uh, Lunch Joe Lunchbox Joe um, and that the rush at the border might even worsen. So there has to be, that's why I say there has to be real open, honest conversation about this. Uh, People need to know what they're getting into when they come up here, what their duties, responsibilities, how they could blow it and be sent back home. But they're never going to do that. We can't even get people in the media to cover uh, border immigration laws, And people who are violating them are the heroes of the day, uh, under the liberals. And people who try to enforce the law are uh, inhuman. So getting updates that are honest from the media the way it is now is probably impossible. Uh, So there has to be more transparency in the media. And that means there's got to be competition coming from other sources And I'm open to the possibility here that uh, there have been some kind of positives. The problem is it goes like this. I'll try and encapsulate it. The areas that take them in receive federal funds to harness or train migrant competencies. This has to be, like I said, this has to be measurable and transparent because there's no doubt that they're sort of putting people to work when Legally, they can't be employed, right? But they're but they're working, or else they would be a, a, just a drain on local economies. Um, they're pretending like some of them are, but some of them are actually have been trained, um, and they've been in, their social capital has been improved, right? These people are making companies, some organizations, some money, and the problem is that any of the realized benefits are they're going to remain local because that's kind of like their kickback. Otherwise, they would not be a sanctuary. And uh, a side note on this. This uncovers, this is another type of deception. Because true conservatives have no issue getting behind programs that unleash the social capital within people. Those programs we're good with, right? Um, Because when you empower somebody to benefit themselves sufficiently They can also contribute to sustainable national goals. So it's kind of weird that uh, conservatives or Republicans are blasted all over the place that uh, we oppose a functioning immigration system. Uh, And it's you know uh, patently false. It's kind of idiotic because they're you have to distance those two conversations. So somebody go, hey, wait a minute, you're lying here and you're lying here. Uh, Maybe one lie is true. Maybe you got some fact. But it's impossible because they can't uh, kind of cohabitate right uh, let let's let's see just what's happened uh, since the George Floyd riots. I think there's some interesting surveys that uh, are, they're hard, they're obscure you're not going to find them they the information and the results are unfavorable to the ruling elitist global Marxist class right now. But uh, here's an interesting one. After the you know, after the riots, one of the national surveys, this is a coast-to-coast, and I don't know how in-depth, I'm going to have to look into that and see if there's any updates, but it said 72% of African Americans said they were satisfied with the level of policing. Um, 3% said that they were not. The remainder were mostly maybe a little ambivalent, right, a little unsure. Um, and that number is actually lower amongst whites and Hispanics. Now, admittedly, suburban people may feel different because the, from what I hear and the way I feel also is that um, I, we're not too happy that the police did next to nothing to stop the rampage of the riots that moved into the suburbs, okay? Okay. The George Floyd's death was one thing The response is another The response from law enforcement Is even another That wasn't handled real well So, and I guess there's another Survey out there that uh, has indicated That uh, we have a, we had A sum of excess deaths In 2020, and it was up about 4,000, but There were murder deaths, right uh, 2,700 of those were concentrated in the in the top 45 or 48 cities or something like that so why do we hear incessantly about one police involved death for a very long period of time but not even a mention of information like this so we have a massive crime problem and one of the things that kind of surprises me that we really we're not talking about at all is uh Who is the problem? And it pains me to say it, but juveniles are now a massive source of crime. Uh, And there are reasons for this. Let's dig into this here. I want to start by saying that uh, most of you either were lucky enough to hear about it or looked it up and heard about the story about uh, two young boys, teens, uh, who lit a homeless, handicapped individual on fire. Uh, The man suffered for a few days and died in the hospital. But one of them was a 14-year-old. And what's curious about this 14-year-old was, and this gives you an idea, listen to how the system is doing this to us. The system is killing us. There were opportunities missed. The 14-year-old had three outstanding robbery charges. One was a knife point, but on the first one, this young man failed to appear uh, when given a court date. He was charged two more times, meaning they had him in custody, knew he f- failed to appear, and let him go. In fact, law enforcement attempted to have a warrant issued for his arrest, and the system stepped in and forbid it. There was an opportunity to get him off the street and get him help, if that's what you believe, and they screwed up. So here's what I was saying, the, the, why it's a bigger problem than just, hey, it's just a bunch of kids. No. Gangs are targeting these kids, and they are getting to do more serious crimes than ever in the past uh, because no matter how heinous the crime these kids will be out by the time they're 19, 20, or 21, and then their records are sealed. And we have no idea when they kill people when they're 22, 23, what they've done in the past. And they're going to make it very difficult for anybody to f- look that up, to find their history of violence. In fact, that's one thing that uh, Barack Obama tried to do as state senator, was he tried to make it impossible. He tried to make it to put the power of deleting a criminal's history in the hands of local judges. Do you really think that given what we know about how these judges really don't care who is harmed, do you really think they're just going to let that stuff sit there? No. They'll turn these kids into weapons. So even with these kids as juveniles, 13, 14, 12, 15, they're caught with pounds Kilos of hard drugs—they're released without consequences and typically within 24 hours, right? Because it's a kid—you can't, you can't detain them. And after this happens a few times, the police involved are actually scolded, reprimanded for gumming up the system with paperwork because they're going after apprehensions that are that meet dead ends. So this is crazy because around those drugs are guns, are gang turf wars. Violence, and there's a people, children. Typically, it's always the babies. Why is it like a three-year-old shot in the head just because he's sitting? Mom put him. Mom put him in his car seat. Went and get in the vehicle. Gangs on one side of the street. They're driving in the middle. It's always something like that. This should really have more people's attention. Uh, and it's so. What I say here's 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 the solution. It's time to start naming these anti-prosecutors, anti-judges, anti-probation leaders anti-district attorneys, when a system fails to follow its own rules, and they have all the power, but they're failing to follow their own rules, and Americans die or suffer horribly, it's time to take control back from the overpaid incompetence. It's time to make them feel it. So uh, I don't know why people haven't put forth a list of reasonable expectations that the leaders need to take to heart or they're going to suffer. It's time. It's time for that. So I don't, and I here. I don't know how they could be the the people in the ruling class. I don't know how they could concurrently be both COVID crazy and claim the safety and health of Americans as job number one when twenty twenty saw the most murders in more than twenty years. I mean, really, murder been coming down, coming down, coming down. One murder is one murder too many, but we'd come way down. Now, spike. Spike. Massive spike last year. And with the FBI's UCR, I don't think the uniform crime thing is going to be out just yet. Um, And it'll probably include some fresh bullshit because don't trust them. They've recategorized and changed the way we classify races of offenders and victims. So... Take it with a grain of salt until the uh, Bureau of Justice Statistics comes out with their National Crime Victimization Survey. And then p- kind of put the two together, overlay them. Um, because I don't know how you could trust the FBI. White supremacy, white nationalism, the problem. No. But riots are what? A thought, uh, a myth. So here's the other thing prison populations are down by 60% in some states. Now places like D.C., they started the jailbreak thing, letting them out early, letting kids out. Uh, I heard a statistic recently that said that twenty-five uh, percent of the murders in the Washington D.C. area are from these kids who are released young. Hey, you're you're violent, you're violent murderer. You're out in three or four years, five years, and they're talking about changing. Incarceration uh, sentencing to let them out at uh, 25 or treat them or allow them to be treated as juveniles up until the age of 25. Think about that for a minute. Uh, We had 16 and 15 year olds voting in this last cycle, 2020, uh, because they're adults, but you're not really going to be punished like an adult for violent crime until you're 25 now imagine imagine being 24 years old looking at that calendar knowing when you're 25 your career as a criminal is over because you'll go away for real sentences uh it's insane it's insane how the systems have been played it's insane that judges DAs prosecutors are in on it they're actually colluding to keep as many people on the street with horrible criminal records as possible, um, so prison populations—the prison population is down by sixty percent in some certain systems, and it's not because crime is down. People aren't better; crime is up. But there's—it's the the population is down because there's no commitment to incarcerate. That's that's what we've come to. And it's time to demand that leaders fix this. Like I said, for me, the real test is if somebody you know, somebody on your block, somebody down the street, somebody you grew up with is killed by one of these people who did not belong on the street in the first place. And yes, of course, it's the perpetrator's fault, but it's also the system's fault. Let's start holding them accountable. They need to feel it. They need to uh, regret the foolishness of their choices. You know, because the test is over. Hand in your answer sheets. Americans have been more than tolerant. And I spell tolerant, T-I-M-I-D. We've been, getting our, we've been getting our asses kicked by a system that's telling us that we're all racist, murderous animals when we are common every day going about our business people. What would things be like now if we demanded accountability years ago? Other countries don't put up with this. We've become incredibly tolerant. They deserve worse, these leaders who are right on all this garbage. And I think it's because we're led by a coalition of imbeciles. There's a misguided belief that it's more important to get your way or win than it is to hear the opposition's talking points. In part because uh, the whole target points thing is kind of derisive, right? The, uh, the enemy's facts are termed talking points. Uh, and that's, this devalues conversation. Now, big media has been so divisive, and that's why this, all this kind of crap is so effective. And it, you can notice, if you look around, you'll see a coalition of imbeciles at work, uh, at your place of employment, and personal relationships, People will try to include some of the actions or words of others when debating. Uh, But you may know more or other facets about that individual they're trying to bring on board to show their consensus, right? And they haven't heard some of the things, some of the negatives. Uh, Some people need to try harder when looking for uh, character witnesses, so to speak. And, And some people will try to stop the conversation because... This is one of my favorites. They don't have time to hear negative things or the downsides or things to uh, to be concerned about. They don't have time for that. But apparently their ideas are just so much superior than yours or mine that they don't have time for it. Uh, it's, it's another... It's an. How did we end up there? You know, that is the underlying question is... When did this start to really make sense to, to people? Uh, I enjoy gathering facts and information maybe to a point where I'm swamped in them. but that's how good solutions come about and you have to take the time to review and, and put how, decide how much weight should go on each fact. How important is this? What are the ramifications? People don't seem to be really doing that. In our media system, our elected leaders, and it's because they never have to pay the price for being incredibly wrong. Name any other profession that you can harm others and get promoted. You don't need a law degree or to have several top-selling movie roles under your belt to be the judge of what's smart and what's really really stupid and this is just going to keep happening until we do something about it and i think that's where we need to start take care everybody god bless